We're talking about how to win every faith battle that you're in. We're going into number four tonight, but if you'll notice, all these principles flow. With God, everything is relationship. So yes, you've got to know your enemy. That's principle number one. Well, how does that happen? I submit my life to the word of God. See, here's the thing. This Bible just, I mean, it just doesn't look like really anything on the outside. The tabernacle in the Old Testament, it was, it was covered with gopher skins. It just looked plain. But oh, on the inside, it, it's glorious because of the presence of God. But from the outside, you couldn't tell. Right? From the outside of me, I'm just Tony. But as I submit my life to his word and I make a decision, Jesus, you're my Lord, I understand that I was purchased by the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. He, was, he took and was made sin for me so that I could be made the very righteousness of God. When I, really, when I realize now I am to glorify God in my body and in my spirit because they belong to him. And Jesus is not just my savior. It's, it's as he is in truth. He's my Lord. He owns me. And that means some wonderful things. That means the enemy has no right to me. But the enemy will take me out if I don't know that. The enemy will take me out if I don't believe that. But oh, if I will believe that he died for my sins, that he was made sick so that I could be made whole, that he was made poor so that I could walk in provision and get lack and sickness and disease and everything out of my life. If I'll believe that, now the power is released and it starts to bring on the outside of me what's on the inside. So you can see the glory of God. If you were to look at the tabernacle at night in the Old Testament, if you could take an aerial view of it, you know what it would look like? A gigantic cross. Do you know how you got in? There was not multiple doors. There was one door because the whole tabernacle was a picture of Jesus. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the only way to be born again. But now that I'm his child, I'm in the kingdom of God. Yes, I live in this world system, but I live in it in the kingdom of God. Does that make sense? So now I have certain rights and privileges and freedoms that I have to believe and I have to speak. Because see, God, he can't violate my will. I have to walk in this, but I realize that when Jesus said, all authority now, now that I'm the risen Savior, is in heaven, on earth, and under the earth has been given to me, and now you go, Tony, in my name, that I believe that when I bind something on this earth, heaven backs me up. When I, when, when I hear that I'm seated in Christ in heavenly places, far above anything that could come against me, now it makes me look at my enemy a little different. Because he's defeated. He has no power over me. And now when he comes illegally to take me out, I can speak the word of God and say no. 
You take your hands off my body. You take your hands off my finances. I believe I receive my healing. I believe I receive provision in my life. Depression, you have to go. All these things, and I'm not moving until you do. And you know you got to go, and I know you have to go. And most of all, he knows you have to go. See, so now, as I put him first, and I realize that this life on this earth, this is how I hold my life now. I don't try to, I'm not so concerned about it. What's the most exhilarating thing that could ever happen in my life? Step out of my body and be with him. So I, I hold my life like this. And what this looks like is, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Whatever you want me to give, I'll give. Does that make sense? So I live my life now for him. And now I'm positioned to walk in a love relationship with the God of the universe, who's my father, with Jesus, who is my Lord and my Redeemer, with the mighty Holy Spirit, who is God as well. And he's my strengthener, my teacher, my comforter. He's the one that comes alongside of me. He is the anointing that enables me to do things. It changes me into a different person. It, it allows me to do things that I could never do in myself. Does that make sense? So now I'm not focused on things. I'm also not focused on what's happening to me anymore. I'm only focused on what's happening in me as I'm growing in him. And what's happening in me eclipses anything that's happening to me. So now I have ears to hear. I'm delighting in the word of God. The word of God is now my source of joy, pleasure, and satisfaction. And now I look to nothing else for that. And when I do that, it enables me to be enriched in my marriage, to have a wonderful marriage that I could never have. To be enriched in my parenting relationships with my children, my grandchildren, with my family, with my church family, in the ministry. It just affects every area of my life. So now I'm walking with my eyes fixed on Jesus. I have ears to hear, my heart's receptive, I am not trying to keep myself free from sin. I focus on the fact of what's happening in me, that he keeps me. He's my source. He's my everything. And now, in that, as I go to his word, he, he's developed my, developing my spirit. I obey his word. I give it my undivided attention. I, 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 I put it first place. I keep it in the midst of my hearts. I never let it depart from my eyes. And now, constantly, 24-7, it is Zoe life to me, the life of God. And I walk not in revelation from time to time, but I walk in a continually deepening revelation of his love for me, of all that he's given me, of all that he's made me, of all that he is. And so now 
I'm not, I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I feel. I'm moved only by what I believe. So in all of that, I learn principle number one. I see that my enemy is never people. It is always Satan and his spiritual hierarchy. So I can just love people freely because my God, he goes before me. People can't stop me from doing what he's called me to do. They can't stop me from knowing him. So I don't care what they're doing. I know who's behind it. So I know, I know how to take authority in that and still love the person so that I could possibly reach them for Christ. Does that make sense? So now, as I'm walking, I know my enemy. I understand that he comes the same way all the time because he has no power to just force me into anything. He's got to get me to accept his lies. And how he does that is he throws thoughts that are contrary to the word of God. And I understand that, and I understand that now I have weapons of my warfare. They're not carnal, they're not fleshly. I understand that these weapons, they're revelation knowledge of the word of God. And it enables me to pull down all strongholds in my mind. It enables me to take every thought captive that is contrary to what life is here in the word. It enables me to take it captive so that that thought never ever grows into a wrong belief. So now here I am and I'm thinking right because I'm not entertaining wrong thoughts. I don't speak wrong thoughts. I don't walk around saying I'm sick or I'm weak or, or I'll never amount to anything or this is not going to work out. I can't speak that. It's like it sounds like a, a scratching board to me because I'm full of life. And I'm not doing anything mechanical. My prayer is not anything more than me fellowshipping with God now and inviting him always in my life so that I can live and move and have my very being in him. That is my walk of faith. I walk in a constant revelation that he loves me and this fuels my constant walk and life of faith. So now I understand who my enemy is. I understand how he operates. The word of God tells me that. And then, now what happens now is I'm living not for myself, I'm living for him. And as I'm delighting in him, now he starts giving me desires in my heart. All of a sudden I realize that my future is not in front of me. It's within me. And the Holy Spirit will draw it out of me. So all of a sudden I'm minding my own business. And, and all of a sudden, a desire is there for me to maybe own a house or a desire for a new car. And these aren't fleshly desires because if they're fleshly, they'll take my attention, I'll get off balance, and, and it just, there's toil. It, it could become my identity. But no, no, this is a desire from God or I'm just living my life and I just have this desire to be married. But I know that everything grows in my spirit. So I know that these desires, because I'm in the right place with him, now these desires are simply expressions of his will. Where did they come from? Well, my God, because I chose to speak the word of God day and night, 
I never stop, the word never departs out of my mouth. It's constantly going down in my spirit. And as the Holy Spirit opens it and brings revelation out of my heart, see, out of my heart flows his will in the form of desires. But while that's happening, his word, which is his will, is also flowing into my heart. So there's this constant stream. So when a desire comes, now I know, okay, I receive everything through faith. That's the only way I could receive through faith what he's already given me by his grace. I never earned it. I didn't deserve it. He gave it to me. So now I go to his word with the help of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm sick, if there's things in my body, I look to the word of God and I find out, wait a minute, by his stripes, he's provided healing for me. He bore my sickness and carried my pain. And the Holy Spirit will start to bring revelation. And if I'll choose to believe that and walk in it, now faith is there because I hear what his word says. And now I could receive healing through faith. If it's finances and if I, I'm in lack and there's things going on in my life and I can't do things and I'm in bondage this way, I look to the word of God and I secure two or three verses. I mean, now I could secure a hundred of them in each of these subjects, but I secure two or three and I start meditating. Which ones do I secure? Well, listen, it's in him that I live and move and have my being. So I only secure what he is bringing out to me. Have you ever had a scripture jump up and it just won't go away. That is the Holy Spirit. He's showing you this, this, this word has your future in it. So now I have the word of God and I'm meditating in these scriptures. My eyes are still on Jesus. They're not on a house or a car or whatever. Because here's the thing I know. Man, it's really awesome when God gives you a brand new car paid for. But it's not anything like when you give somebody else the car paid for. And see, I'm not living selfishly now, so I have my eyes on the Lord. Now the enemy instantly comes like he always does, and he starts to question, well, how is that going to happen? How are you going to be healed? How are you going to get that provision? How are you ever going to get free from depression, anxiety, or fear? How are you ever going to amount to anything? How is your future ever going to change? Look at this, and look at this, and see, I know that's the enemy. So now I answer him, not by get out of my life. No, I answer him with truth. Because I know that the word of God brings the presence and power of God on the scene. The word of God brings God on the scene. So now I say to him, Satan, it's written. My God meets all of my needs according to his riches and glory. So I, Satan, my needs are met. I can do all things. No, no, I'm not losing this battle because my father always causes me to triumph. Right? No, I'm not bound. No, it is written, I'm free. It is written. So I, principle number two, I secure these promises from the Lord. These promises in his word. And they're so alive to me so that when he comes challenging what God's word says... I can answer him because I know I have to answer him. Because if I don't answer him, then he's going to keep messing with me. 
And, 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 and if, I, if I don't answer him, it means the word's not alive in my heart. And pretty soon, I'm going to need to start running around and talking to my friends about all my problems, talking to them about my mountain. Instead of when I'm in faith, I run to my mountain and talk to my mountain about my God and tell it how it has to leave. So, this is, so that's principle number two, right? But see, within all of this is principle number three. I, I, I'm constantly... I'm never judging others. I'm never telling others what to do. I'm constantly examining my heart, my motives. I'm examining my love walk. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me. Am, am I walking in forgiveness? Have I, is there any unforgiveness in me? If there is, reveal it and I'll forgive the person. Right? I'll choose to forgive the person. I maintain a pure heart. That's principle number three. So now, tonight, I want to talk to you about principle number four. Principle number four is that you must refuse. And we have to, we have to talk about both of them because they're always together in the Word of God. You have to refuse because you're resisting doubt and fear. I'm not going to allow it to be in my life. My God told me that I don't have a spirit of fear. That my spirit is one of power, love, and it causes my soul to have a sound mind or to have soundness of mind. So depression, you have to go because I'm the healed. So all my hormones have to come into place so that my brain operates perfectly. But my mind, because of who I am, because it's saturated in the love of God, saturated in the word of God, growing, now I have soundness of mind. I no longer, I step up. See, when you, when you walk by sight, you're walking in fog. You, you don't see things right. But what happens, have you, have, you ever, have you ever driven out of fog? That's what happens. It's like all of a sudden, it just, his word, his presence, his power now, it, it literally, as I speak to doubt, as I speak to fear, I leave the fog. And all of a sudden, I don't live my life by what it seems to be like. What is that like? Well, it's how I feel. It's what I'm seeing. It's what I'm hearing. I realize if I could see it, if I could hear it, if I could touch it, if I could smell it, if I could taste it, the Bible says any, everything seen, it's all changeable. But what I can't see with my natural senses, but I see fully with the eyes of faith, with the eyes of my spirit, the unseen word of God cannot, those things that are not seen are eternal. They're not subject to change. They can't change. So I realize that God is never my problem. I, I realize that when a tornado takes out a town or a hurricane, and, and just because the world calls that an act of God, I understand that my father's always good. He doesn't take out towns and cities with hurricanes. He doesn't kill babies, you know, with sickness and disease. He doesn't kill people. But I know the destroyer does. So now I am going to be a vehicle in this earth that is going to talk and speak for God 
and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a vehicle that his anointing can flow through. I'm gonna be his hands so that I could lay hands on whoever he wants me to. And I'm gonna speak life and I'm gonna do these things and I'm gonna help people see the principles in the word so now they can walk in the victory that's been given to them. I refuse doubt and fear. Doubt and fear are external. So when Satan comes challenging you, literally, doubt and fear, although it feels so real, has no power at all. So turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11. Hallelujah. So does that make sense? We kind of, I wanted to just kind of, I, I didn't know I was going to do that, but I just wanted to kind of walk out. This is, see, we don't mechanically walk by faith. We don't, our goal is not to have a faith event. Our goal is to flow and walk out of our spirit and walk by faith. Walk by what? My faith? No, 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 no. Walk in and by the faith of the love of God. Walk in the love of God, walk by the faith of God, and be led by the Spirit of God. So now Mark chapter 11, Mark chapter 11, verse 22, I want to take a moment and talk to you about this, because this talk, it talks about the operation of faith. Not natural faith, the God kind of faith. The same faith that God used to create everything that we see. It says, first of all, here, and Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Now, most people never teach on this, but do you notice it didn't say get faith in God? It said have it. This is a big, big part of this verse. Have faith in God. Faith is something that you have. Don't focus on faith being something that you get. You'll get off with all that. Faith is something that you have. To have faith, what do I do to have faith? All you have to do is hear God's word, right? And believe it. See, the moment you hear faith, you have it. That's why I can't go get faith. I have to have it, and it comes as a result of choosing to hear and believe the word. Have faith in God. Satan will always tell you that you need more faith. If you only had more faith, you could overcome this situation. If you only had more faith. Isn't it interesting that the Bible never tells you to have more faith. But Satan always tells you to have more faith. Why? Because he's a liar and he's a deceiver. The Bible tells you to use the faith that you have. Well, how do you have it? I have it because I've heard and believe God's word. And when I have the faith of God, now I could lay hold of all that he's given to me through, by his grace. I possess through faith what he has given me by grace. Does that make sense? The only, there's only one place in the New Testament that speaks about an amount of, amount of faith, and I bet all of you know that story. The word of God says if, if you had faith, 
It doesn't say if you got faith. It says if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed. Right? You would say. And you, if you read the story, it talks about a mustard seed. One time in a men's Bible study, Eric brought mustard seeds. They're, like, they're the smallest seed out there. But yet, the smallest seed produces the biggest tree. So the only time in the Word of God where it talks about the amount of faith, it tells you that the smallest amount of faith produces the biggest. So when Satan comes and tells you about how you need to get more faith, say, Satan, it is written that I have the faith of God. Why? Because faith comes by hearing. It's written, faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10, 17, right? It's not about how much faith. It's about how strong that you stand in the faith that you have. This is, this is see, we don't teach this enough. It's more than just seven principles to walk in victory. No, 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 no. Faith, it's the faith of God. It's my Father's faith. It's my Lord's faith. It's the faith of the mighty Holy Spirit. And when I hear his word, it produces faith in my life. And I live by the faith of God. Right? The one who gave himself for me. The one who loves me. It's about how strong you stand in faith. So faith is not about the amount. It's about strength. Be strong in faith. Right? We, 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 don't, we don't really look at scriptures very deeply. And we see Jesus, when Peter starts to sink, he grabs him out of the water. and You know, when Peter fails of walking on the water after a little while. He grabs him and pulls him up. They walk back to the boat and he goes, oh, ye of little faith. And you're like, well, wait a minute. No, no. See, that talks about a mount. No. The Greek word means puny faith. It literally means a short burst of faith. So Peter had faith. He's walking on the water. I can't give Peter a hard time. I've never walked on liquid water. At least he did for a while. And then once he cried out to Jesus, he still walked back to the boat. But he, had, he, just, he, said, he said, you just had this puny faith. You had a short burst of faith. And then he said, he told him why. Why did you doubt? Now this is amazing because Peter's not born again. Satan couldn't even make somebody who's not born again doubt. He has to get them to doubt. How much more you who are born again and have the life of God and the very spirit of God, the presence of God in you. You have the mind of Christ. Now you can know the word of God. You can know God. How much more should doubt not be a part of our life? Well, I got to tell you, no more. No more doubt. No more fear. It is not welcome here, right? This is so important. It is the use of faith not the size of faith that matters. Everyone sitting here, I know you guys, you have enough faith to do things way beyond. You have it right now. 
Now, when I say things like the enemy will sit on my shoulder, well, then they just will never come back to church. Liar. Thank you, Satan. That means more people are coming to church. It's not about, it's not about the size. It's about the use. What am I saying? Use your faith. Use your faith. When you're right, right now, I could see, I could see it on some of your faces. There's things coming to you right now where the Holy Spirit's going, okay. It's time. It's time for you to stop allowing this in your life. So use your faith. Believe the word. I already know you do. So here's where we lack many times. Faith has to be in two places. Right? It has to be believing the word in your heart, but it has to be coming out of your mouth. A gun. Could you imagine? You're going hunting. Right? Erie, you're a hunter. You're going hunting. And you have this massive laser-sighted gun, and you see this perfect elk, and you aim it at this thing, and it's point blank, you see it, it's going to kill him, and then you go, and then you walk, by the end of the day, you've seen 20 elk, and you, and you come home, and Loretta's like, oh my gosh, how many of these are we going to have to put up with tonight, right? And, 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 you're, and you're so disgusted, because you're going, I, I don't have any. And then she asks you, what? Did you, did you see any? Oh, yeah, saw tons of them. Had them right in my sights. So did you miss? No, no, I, I never pulled the trigger. Do you know for a lot of people, a lot of Christians, the walls of Jericho in their life will come down if they will just pull the trigger instead of taking a wrong thought. Man, this just isn't working out. Why is this not working? How is this going to work out? Stop it. You speak. You secure the word of God. It is written. It is written. You speak to fear. You speak to doubt. You call them by name and tell them to get out of your life. Right? Because you have the word of God. Realize this. Faith does not come by measure. Faith comes by choice. You have to make a choice to have ears to hear, to meditate in the word. You have to make a choice. It doesn't come by measure. It comes by choice. And a little tiny bit of it will show the world Jesus through your life because everything changes. So get, I hope you, I hope you get excited tonight because you're sitting there as a world overcomer made to dominate this world system, made to yield all of your fruit in your season, I could tell things are becoming fresher to you right now. Why? Because there's times of refreshing that flow from the Spirit of God through His Word. Faith doesn't come by measure. It comes by choice. Show me somebody who's bragging about how big in faith they are, and I'll show you somebody who probably has no faith. It comes by choice. And a person who's making the choice to walk by faith, you see a smile on their face. They're not concerned about themselves. They're concerned about others. They're not trying to be impressive. They're not trying to impress anybody. They're simply walking in a love relationship with God, and God is able to do mighty things through their life. Why? Because they have mighty faith? No, they know him. It's wonderful. So, so is, that a, is that an expository teaching on verse 22 or what? 
So verse 23 now, it says, For verily I say unto you, because now you have the faith of God. So now, let me tell you how it works, Jesus is saying. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and then here it is, and shall not doubt in your heart. He didn't say, and shall not doubt in your mind. See, you can't stop thoughts of doubt from coming, but you never have to take them. Because just because a thought of doubt hits your mind does not mean you're in doubt. As a matter of fact, you're not in doubt yet. You have to choose to take it by speaking it. But shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. Here it is again. He shall have whatsoever he saith. A lot of people are going to God talking about their mountain and, and wants God to move their mountain. And God's looking at them going, no, you move the mountain. Right? I already told you to move it. So you speak. That's your part. And I'll make sure that mountain moves. That's what God says. But it's, it's always going to be a result of you. This verse 23 is faith against things. Jesus was teaching them how to get every unfruitful thing out of their life. Arthritis is not fruitful. Heart disease is not fruitful. Cancer is not fruitful for you. Depression, anxiety, fear, terror, it's not unfruitful. But if you speak to it, According to the word of God and in the name of Jesus, it has to move if you don't doubt in your heart. Verse 24, therefore I say unto you, now he's going to start to tell us about faith and prayer or the prayer of faith. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. Now we know, we know that the reason, the things we're desiring, see his word, John 15, 7, his word abides in me and I'm abiding in the word. So now I'll ask whatever I will. Why? Because my will and God's will has become one now. So now what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them. So now I understand in prayer how does faith work in prayer? It, how it works is you will have in prayer what you've believed that you received. Let me say it again. In prayer, you will have what you've believed that you received. So you have to believe that you receive it before you'll have it. And notice Jesus didn't put a time limit. But here's the cool thing. In your spirit is this thing. It's, it's a fruit of your spirit. You got it from your father. It's called hupomene. It's called endurance. It's called patience. So what that, what's, see the God type of patience? Here's, here's patience naturally. You know, you're being patient with your circumstances. There's 14 foot potholes in this intersection. And you're patiently waiting while 300 cars are going through this intersection. And you're just sitting there and, and you're just kind of just trying to keep it together. That's not what we're talking about. 
God's patience is this. When you are facing something that is so much bigger than you, but you have a smile on your face because it's so much smaller than who God is in you. And now when the enemy presses you, you get stronger. The harder he presses, you're at rest. But the harder he presses, I mean, all of a sudden, he's pressing you with a planet. And you're over here like this. Oh, Lord, I just thank you. And you're keeping the, all of the powers of darkness at bay, and you're not sweating. Now, I'm sweating right now, but that's because of the anointing, not because of the pressure, okay? I'm messing up my own example. But you're like, and then you're like, oh, this is ridiculous. I don't, I don't need this finger, because the God who's strengthening my pinky is more than enough to stop the enemy. And now I'm at rest. The harder you push, the more ground he loses. He pushes more. I mean, could you imagine? It's like you're lifting weights. And the more weight they put on you, the more it's moving up. The more weight that they put on, 500, 600, 700 pounds, pretty soon you're like, you got the bar like this and it's 1,000 pounds. That's what patience is like. The harder you're being pressed, the more strength you have. Because it's not your strength. It's the God. See, your hands on the bar are covered by another pair of hands. Uh, and those hands only span out the universe in the span of his hand. These hands of God, the Bible says, fulfill the desires of all living flesh without ever going anywhere. It's just what's in his hand. Isn't that amazing? That's the patience you walk in. And this is what it's saying. This is how prayer, this is how prayer works as you pray the prayer of faith. You believe you receive, and then you shall have, and there is no way you can't have it. So let me, let me read something to you because, see, notice there's no time limit on faith. So faith, it's literally a process. Go to Mark chapter 4. I want to show you the process. Mark chapter 4, verse 26. Hallelujah. I've said some things that I really haven't said before, and that's awesome because God's helping us grow up. Hallelujah so thankful that I don't have to do what God's called me to do in my own strength. So thankful for the anointing, the unlimited supply of the Spirit of God. It's in your life all the time. Mark chapter 4, verse 26, you know, this is the parable of the sower, but I want to look at verse 26. After he told the whole parable, he said this, and he said, so is the kingdom of God. Or in other words, this is how the kingdom works. Or in other words, this is how healing works. This is how provision works. This is how every benefit of salvation works. That's what he's saying right here. This is how it works. As if a man should cast seed into the ground. It, it works just like the parable of the sower. So healing in your body grows. Prosperity grows. $1,000, believing God for $1,000 might be a lot to you right now. 
Believing God for $100 might be a lot to you if you've never believed God for anything. But God doesn't want you to stop there. He wants, he wants everything to grow in you so that, you know, a couple years from now, believing God for $100,000 is as easy as $100. Right? Because th- this is just how things work with God. It, it, this is how the kingdom works, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knows not how. I don't know how God's going to heal my kidney. That's not my deal, how. My deal is he said he's provided it, so I believe it. I don't know how I'm going to get out from under this mountain of debt. But my God said he started an eternal jubilee. So when Satan comes to me about the how, I'll be like, Satan, I don't care how. That's not my part. If you, if you want to know how, go ask God. Oh, I know. You don't want to talk to him anymore, right? You still have that lump on your head from being cast out of heaven, don't you? Right? So you should sleep and rise night and day. See, when you're believing God for something, you're going to sleep and rise night and day. And it's working. But you don't know how. You don't have to know how. You just know You don't know what you believe only. You know in whom you believe. And you know if he spoke it, there is no way he won't do it. Right? And it says, For the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. But when the fruit is brought forth, immediately he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. Isn't Isn't this interesting? Right? It says here in verse 30, And he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God, or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like the grain of a mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs, and shoots out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. In other words, you could say faith works by seed. We, we like this term, seed time and harvest. But that's not right. Seed time's not one word. Because we don't like the word time. It's seed, time, and harvest. Let me put it this way. Your flesh doesn't like the time. Your spirit doesn't care. Your, why? You know why? Because your spirit already knows, I believed I received when I prayed. The moment I prayed, I knew I had my answer. God says, if you ask anything according to my will, I hear you. And if you know I've heard you, you know you have what you've asked me for. So have you noticed that Satan comes and tries to make you doubt. Have you ever been believing God for anything? Pretty soon you're like, okay, should I go to the doctor? Should I get up? Should I not get up? Should I brush my teeth? You know, am I, am I using the wrong dental floss? You get in all this, should I take medicine or should I not? And it's like, you're complicating this thing. 
Faith doesn't come by not taking medicine. As a matter of fact, sometimes you could not take medicine or not go to a doctor and die. And when you get to heaven, Jesus is going to be like, my spirit was telling you to go to the doctor because, man, you haven't had, you don't have, you're not even in faith. Does that make sense? See, he always, it gets, have you ever been standing in faith and it gets so complicated? It's not complicated. You ask according to his will. Faith only comes, you don't fake it. Faith comes by hearing his word. But now, if you want to live your life for yourself and never be in the word and never, and just not walk in forgiveness and, and all this stuff, what's going to happen is you're not going to walk in the blessing of God, but the Holy Spirit, he's not mad at you. He'll be right down on the inside of you. He'll show you bumper stickers and all kinds of stuff, bring people in your life to try to get you back to where you're hearing the word so you can get in faith again. Because faith only comes by hearing God's word. So now, faith is a process. Seed, time, and harvest. All right. Well, I think I'm going to stop there. And we'll just talk about this more next Wednesday. How's that? I hope you've gotten some stuff that could help you. We're talking, we're going to get very clear on how to resist doubt and fear in your life. And you resist it with the word of God. Amen?